All right. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I am your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking and checking out component level code splitting uh, and checking out a library that's going to help us be able to do that. Super excited. Can't wait to get into that. So let's say hi to our panelists and then we'll meet our guest and then we'll get our learn on. How about it? Joining us today, we've got Mike Brocky. Mike, what's going on? Not too much. Just ready to hang out and chat about tech. Nice. Bonnie's with us. Bonnie, what's going on? I'm excited. I'm super excited about the show tonight. I'm always excited about Angular Air, uh, but I'm excited about our guest because uh, our guest is a friend of mine. Nice. Nice. I'm still getting used to the fact that it's night for you, right? So every time you say, oh, joining us tonight, I'm like, oh, wait, wait, yeah, right. It's night for you. It's afternoon. I don't know. I wish it was night for me, too. I'd be ready to end my day. But we got a show to do. Right? Excited about that. Our guest today, Zama. Zama, how's it going? Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, it's going good. And today is an exciting day for me. Yeah, happy to be here on Angular Air, my a show that I was always looking for. <laughs> Cool. Very cool. We're, we're excited to have you, and we're very excited to uh, learn about this content that you're going to share with us. Can't wait. Uh, do you want to tell our viewers a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm a software architect and an open source contributor. Contributor to some of the Angular modules in the community, like Codelizer. Uh, I uh, provided some accessibility tooling uh, in Codelizer, as well as worked on some of the open source uh, libraries, uh, one of which we are going to talk about today. I, I love Codalizer. Maybe, maybe we can mention a little bit more about that um, for people who might not know what Codalizer is. Yeah, so Codalizer is a linting tool. So basically, what, when you are developing, it, it's a TSLint plugin, basically. So in your TypeScript, whenever you make a mistake or do something which is against Angular uh, style guide, it actually suggests you what has to be corrected. And it, 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 it is not only done in TypeScript, but it also helps you in CSS and HTML uh, related to Angular changes. So that's where my accessibility rules in the Angular templates are. So basically, whenever you make some mistake in accessibility in your Angular templates, uh, it's going to help you and correct it. Nice. And it, so is that with like, we'd have to have, have like the latest version of Codalizer or whatever version that those came in at to have? I think it was released with Angular version 8. Okay. And uh, yeah, you should see uh, more about it in the latest Angular blog post, as well as uh, on web.dev slash Angular, you should find a post about accessibility in Angular. Nice. And then are those like turned on by default at that point? So like we don't have to go configure that on it, we get that automatically? So we don't get it automatically. You okay. have to enable it, which you can read more about in those posts. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I love the fact that uh, Codalizer is awesome. And, and it's, it does TSLint, right, stuff. So it's it's IDE and uh, code editor agnostic, right? It can work in all kinds of different ones, whatever you're using, right? Right. Yeah, so, very cool. Well, those accessibility things, are they just going to say, hey, Mike, you suck, your code's not accessible, or is it, will it actually help fix it too? Yeah, it's going to, so suppose a small case where you, you misspelled ARIA attribute, it's going to actually help you saying, oh, did you mean this? Or like, it's going to help you in that way. And if you actually have a label which where you didn't uh, you know, attribute or form control, then it's going to say, oh, 
you have to do that. So, so yeah, it helps you in reminding you and uh, failing your bill if, if you don't follow those guidelines. Awesome. So I know we don't want to like necessarily introduce something new and turn it on automatically for people, but I kind of feel like we probably should have that on automatically, right? I mean, we should be having this accessibility entry of, of our markup as something that we just always do. Right. So I, I, I don't know how Minco uh, maintains Codelizer. Like he, whenever a new Codelizer, uh, you know, you know, rule is added, he keeps it long, uh, uh, for experimental period, and then once it goes and stabilizes, it goes into uh, the, you know, it, it gets uh, enabled for all of the projects. Cool. Cool. All right, I don't want to get too much off topic, but I'm Codelizer right. gets me excited. I'm, I'm always stoked about that. So cool. Thanks for the contribution to that. That's awesome. All right. So code uh, component level code splitting. Should we get into that? Yes. Yeah. Let me start my screen share on my side and then let you know. Yeah, I'm ready. Let cool. me know when you guys can see my screen. It's up there. We got it. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Cool. So today we are going to speak about component level code splitting, specifically by using NGX Loadable. And we'll look at why we need it and what are the different use cases for doing such kind of a code splitting. So first introduction about myself. I'm a software architect specializing in Angular, React, as well as serverless architecture. I also do open source work and also write technical blog posts. Recently wrote a blog for blog post for Angular blog. And I recently also uh, wrote a book called Angular Projects, dot, uh, Angular Projects, and you can find it on angularprojects.com. It actually takes care, like teaches a lot of different tools from Angular community, from the Angular ecosystem, like 40 different tools and teaches uh, it in a nine different chapters where it, it starts from scratch and builds nine different kind types of applications like PWA, server-side rendered applications, et cetera. And so let's start with code splitting. Why we need code splitting in the first place. So typically in our client-side applications, we have an application where we bundle all the JavaScript in one particular single bundle. And by this, what happens is your load time actually increases since JavaScript is most expensive resource in your all, all of your resources. Even images uh, are not as expensive as JavaScript. So when, when, when we bundle all the JavaScript, like for all our pages into one bundle, we will see some performance issues in our application. So a lot of uh, performance improvements can be done by reducing this bundle size. Some of these uh, redu redu reducing in the bundle size is taken care by Angular and Angular CLI itself, like differential loading, AOT compilation. Now, uh, IV rendering will also reduce the bundle size. So it's all going to improve it, but you won't see a maximum uh, improvement unless you apply code splitting. And what code splitting is, is basically taking this huge bundle and divided dividing it into smaller and multiple bundles which which will be downloaded which will be which will we will request uh, whenever they are required in the application 
So there are like typically two types of code splitting. Uh, one is route-based code splitting, which I hope everyone does uh, and should be doing. And this actually will give you maximum uh, bundle size reduction because most of your logic is in the routes. So by doing that, your main bundle size will decrease a lot. And uh, it's all it's recommended to do for all the routes. So yeah, if you are not doing it, then yeah, spend some time uh, first implementing route-based code splitting. And the other one, which has to be built on top of route-based code splitting, which we are going to talk today, is component-level code splitting. So whenever you have pages where you have a lot of different logics, where you have models, tabs, etc., where the content comes dynamically over time in your page, you can also code split using those uh, you know different uh, endpoints uh, in the application. So let's speak about code splitting using route-based code splitting. So typically, when we when we are importing using this module import statement, your component gets included in your main bundle, and that's where our size of our bundle increases. So whenever we have this route, the easy way to do this code splitting in Angular was introduced by using magic strings. And magic string is basically a string where you, instead of component, you have load children with a couple of things. You have the route to the module, and then you have the name of the module. So, uh, I mean, this does, just does the job, but it's still a hack, right? Like you are providing a string which is doing something which is magical in the background. But the better way of doing is, by using asynchronous input or dynamic imports, whatever you want to call that. So in this, this is uh, this is supported by a lot of uh, major browsers. And basically, what you are doing is instead of using a string, you are using a function which returns a uh, you know a dynamic input, which is a promise. And then we get uh, the module, and then that can be loaded. So. Looking at it, it's it's almost same. Like there's not much of a difference. Like you have a path, you have a module. So someone might ask, what's the benefit? So one of the benefit that I see is it can be used for uh, you know network aware code splitting, where you can actually look at what your network speed is, and based on that, basically. Like if if it's three D, then you can give a light experience to the users, and if if it's not, if it's uh, uh, you know good speed, then you can give a full experience to the users. So this this is something which was not achievable when you had the magic string syntax because it's not a function and you can't can't return whatever you want. So this is a much better syntax for code splitting. And then we also have this prefetching strategies uh, in route-based code splitting, where we have prefetch all, which comes by default in Angular uh, router. And then we have a quick link, as well as uh, one pre predictive prefetching, which was created by Menko called guest.js. So all these strategies uh, were introduced, and they're all great. And you should look into uh, investing in one of the prefetching strategy. Next, we'll look at component-level code splitting. Now, to get more flexibility of loading the components over time in your application, component-level co code splitting has to be introduced in the application. Now, this will reduce the bundle size for bigger chunks. So if you, one of your chunk is huge, you can look into that bundle and invest in reducing that bundle size 
by saying where are the breakpoints, where are the condition conditions in your application, and then you know chunk it out. So it enables uh, conditional loading. But the only uh, issue with it is it lacks a simpler API as of Angular 8 or 9 even. So this is something we have to look in, like why, what makes it complicated and how we can improve it. Now next, let, let's look at the features uh, that we build in our application, some of the use cases that we, we try to build in our applications and it, it actually, you know, if not, uh, if you don't do component level code splitting, it's going to affect your application. So something like feature flags, which uh, in, a in a lot of enterprise application where they want uh, continuous deployments, but they want to release features uh, in a, in a period of time whenever they require by just switching the flag. So in such cases, uh, we don't want to include both the different bundles into one single bundle and increase the bundle size. Also A-B testing where we have two different uh, you know, variations of a component. We want to test which one does better. In, in, even in this case, we don't want to just include both the components in the bundle and then ship it to the users. So in such cases where conditional loading is required. Another use case where I work for uh, different airlines, uh, I created one application. So basically we were creating one application that will be used by different airlines. And some of the features were used by some airlines, some of them were not uses, using it. So suppose if a new airline comes in, and it wanted just a couple of features from a list of 100 features. We don't want to bundle up all the different components and into one bundle and give it to the user. So component level code splitting can help. So if you look in this diagram, you see that some of them has a login feature. Some of them doesn't have it. Some of them has this gear icon and some of them doesn't have it. So basically there's a lot of conditional loading in this. and this might increase the bundle size a lot based on number of features and number of different conditions that we have in our application. Another thing that we see is dashboard designs. Someone was saying something. Yeah, I have a, I have a quick question. Um, so going back to that previous example with um, making those things conditionally loaded based off of a feature flag, and you may be getting this a little later and you may tell me um, to hold off uh, and we'll cover it later, but what, could you potentially end up in a scenario scenario where you have so many separate bundles that you're loading separately that you're making more network requests versus that would be adversely affecting the performance instead of loading them all at once. Yeah, I mean, you have to be careful enough that you you don't make a smaller, like you don't make one component and make each and every one like lazy loading. You have to be intelligent enough to make it you know, on the bigger level, like the feature flag should encompass a lot of features and the A-B testing as well, like it should encompass a big feature rather than smaller features. And based on that, uh, your experiments should happen. And, and you should make sure that your code splitting shouldn't like have hierarchy of code splittings and it shouldn't make your experience bad. So yeah, code splitting, make sure you look at network request and see how the downloads happen and make sure to bundle it properly. Yeah, that makes sense. So next is dashboard design where you can have a dashboard which can show hundreds of different, of different widgets 
and the user can control how many widgets to be shown. Like he can select three or four or hundred, whatever uh, widgets he wants to control. So, uh, so if a person wants to land on this page, we don't want the users to download all the hundred, uh, you know, widgets and then show it on the page. Rather, we just want three or four widgets that are selected by the users to be downloaded. Another feature that we see is responsive design. And we see that it's not just responsive HTML and responsive CSS, but we also have to be responsive in components sometimes. Like in this example on the top of where WWF implemented responsive design uh, with hamburger icon for the main menu, which is implemented by a lot of organizations. So if you look at hamburger icon and the navigation JavaScript that is involved, it's it's quite less than a main menu JavaScript that is involved. So we can reduce that number of uh, you know bytes that are required for showing that main menu for the mobile devices. And then also here in another example where you see that Trevoice actually shows a map for uh, desktop applications, but for mobile applications that just show a dropdown for selecting the state, which is which would be faster for mobile devices. Another example is done by Google Express, where they have a carousal for mobile uh, for desktop application, but for mobile devices they don't use a carousal because basically you can just uh, have a vertical, uh, you know, carousal uh, loader, whatever you say, and then load it rather than having the whole carousal logic and loading it. Another thing that oh, we can look yeah, not carousal. Okay. Yeah, basically. So instead of using carousal, you can just have one cursor, uh, you know, you can have overflow and overflow the dev and then have a scroll instead. So another is adaptive, uh, where basically what you want is you want to give experience, different experience for high network app network devices and a different experience for a slower, a slower network device. So suppose you have a 4G, then you can basically show this uh, zooming feature, whereas for slow networks, you, you don't have to show that and you don't want to include all that JavaScript. So you, basically you can do some adaptive as we have seen that in a route-based code splitting as well. So let's see, let's, uh, let's come to the demo for, and this demo has a warning because I'm not going to use any library. So this is going to be like just by doing ang uh, using Angular. So I have two folders, one for uh, using version eight of Angular and another one using RC1 for version nine. And what I have here is basic Angular component. So if you look uh, into app.html, there's just a button and a router outlet. And if I show you, I have some styles in my style CSS and basically that's it. And I have for version nine, I have the same setup, but I have included some files over there, which I'm going to go through later. So let's do, let's create a lazy loaded bundle. First of all, let's, let's do a ng generate. This is my favorite part. This is why <laughs> I was so excited about Zama coming up. Look at the cursor when he's, I don't know why I get so tickled about this, but I love it so much. And it totally distracted me last time I saw this 
uh, him because it's just like, look at it. What it does a little thing when he's typing. I love it. <laughs> So what I just did is I created a lazy comp a lazy module and then lazy component. Now, now if you look at it, I'm not including that in my app app module. So if I include that in app module, then it's going to be included in my bundle. So I don't want to do that. So next, if I do ng-surf, do you think that uh, the bundle that I create the module that I created will that be lazy loaded? So the answer would be simply no, because I'm not importing it anywhere or I'm not doing something uh, to achieve that. I don't know why my cursor is going everywhere today. It's my fault, Zama. I got so excited about it, and now it's just getting carried away. It's just for my benefit. I really appreciate it. <laughs> it looks more fancy, though. And that lazy name that you did in the um, at the terminal, that's just what you named that module, right? It's not like a flag. That's why it's, yeah. Right, right. That's just the name of the uh, module, and this is just the name of the component. Nothing fancy there. So now you see that you don't create a lazy bundle with it because it's just a component. And so in Angular 8, the way we want to be, way you can actually get this bundle downloaded is by using lazy modules array. So let me just do that and then get the path for it. If my IntelliSense would help me, it's not going to help me today. What? It's because you're live on YouTube. It's just, you, know, <laughs> you have to have challenges. Oh yeah, now there is. So okay, so now I have I give the path where the module is. Now, if I were to go and build it again, so let me stop it and run it again. Now you should be saying that it creates a bundle. So let's wait for that. Also, let me go ahead and so what you would see now is you would see a lazy bundle being created. But now next, what we have to do is now that we have that created, now we have to load it somehow. So we'll be looking at different loaders that comes with Angular and how we can use it next. So now if you look at it, we have this lazy module created. Now, we, now that it's created, now we have to use it. So in our... Uh, app module, let's come and load the loaders. So we need two loaders, one is system.js module loader, and then one is ng-module factory loader. And then we need to provide our system.js module factory loader so that it can be used instead of ng-module factory loader. So let's say provide loader, and it should show that we are providing ng-module-factory, but we want to use system.js ng-module-factory-loader to use uh, for the loading. And if you see carefully, there is an underline over here. That's because this is deprecated. And we'll be seeing how it's going to be done in Angular version 9 without using uh, the system.js module-loader next. So now that I have that, let us come to our app component. And let me on the side, oh, so this is running, so that's good. Also, let's inject it, uh, inject our loader. So what we are doing next is we are just injecting our ng-module factory loader that we just created, that we just provided. 
and we are also providing the injector. And then let's create a function called load lazy, right? We, to load it. So in this function, what we are going to do is we are going to use this dot loader and load. Or basically, if I don't want to do that, I can just type in n. I can just load it. Uh, and I use this dot loader dot load and I provide the whole path as a magic string as well as the module name. So this is the same. So we get the module factory next. And we are using promises here, like this returns a promise. So we are using async await to get it. So once we have this, let's uh, do a module. A question before you continue with that. Sure. So you're using that magic string to essentially find that module and load that module there. Right. But what you set up in the angular.json, if you can go there real quick, is right. you're basically saying create a new module. Right. Even though it's not referenced at all, but this is essentially like a main.ts essentially for just that module. Right. So basically right. create a separate bundle for this one thing. Right. And then you're actually referencing it to use it within this component file, correct? Yeah, I'm asking it to. Okay, now that we have that mod, uh, bundle created, let's load it. Like, let's download it and uh, load it and get the reference for the lazy module. And this is the example that you're showing us that's not using a library. Right, so right. You do it all manually yourself. Right. And this I'm assuming you're going to show us in a minute. <laughs> True. So. So the next thing is you do module factory dot create and then you provide the injector to this so that your injection basically has the whole logic of dependency injection of the application. So since you provide that to the module factory and then your module will know about the whole dependency injection of your application. So now what I get from this is module ref. And by using module ref, I can basically create can resolve this factory. And then uh, what I do is I need to pass a component here. And what I should be also doing is I should go here in my module, lazy module. I will have a list of components. I can have like 10 different components here. But since I just want to load and show one component in my, uh, when I lazy loaded, I also want to bootstrap it. So I can say lazy components. Oh, component over here. So I know that this is the first uh, component in my bootstrap array. So I can get that from here. So I can do module ref underscore bootstrap. This is a private uh, property. Bootstrap components. I need the first component from it. And since this is a private, I can actually get rid of this error by saying as any over here, just to get rid of that. And then what I get from here is a component. So now that I have my component, let's see in our application, now that our application is running here. Uh, do I have my desktop? Yeah. So let's load this localhost 4200. And what I should see is, Let's also call the function first of all. Uh, let's go back to, let's call this lazy, load lazy function from our app component, which can be done upon the click of the button. So let's click it and then call that function. 
So now if I go back into my Chrome and open the networks, now I should have it reloaded. And once I click on my button, you see that it's lazy loaded. So yeah, so this is this is how you basically lazy load in uh, using Angular CLI in version eight. But now that it's downloaded, now also we have to show it. So let's create an ng template to show this here. So let's so call this. This is us programmatically loading it, lazy loading it, right? Versus say, have the router do it. Cause the router, like you showed earlier, can do that for us, but you have to right. navigate to a route to have that happen. Here you're adding it manually because we're programmatically doing it with this click of the button. Right, right. Cool. So let's now also like, uh, I created this ng template with a uh, local variable called lazy. So I'm just getting the reference of it. And let's also, Import this view child if it if it does it. Okay, it's already done. So let's also get this. So now I now that I have component, let's use this dot lazy and create a component and pass the component to it. So now if I come here, also let me actually change the content of lazy component. I don't want to just show lazy over there. I want to show an image over here. And getting back here to Chrome. Now, if I click this, now you actually see that the image is loading up. So this is way, way hard in Angular version eight because you have to make sure that you add it to Angular JSON. You also use system.js loader and you do all that different things. But let's now see how it can be done in version nine. This uses IV rendering and it's much simpler. Uh, you don't even have to go and put anything in AngularJSON, which is a great thing. So you can see that I don't have anything over here. And in my source file, what I have is I already created this lazy module and lazy component and it's bootstrapped over here and everything is configured for you except the logic is not written. So basically I have a button over here before before you get into that, I have a quick question because you mentioned this is ba uh, based off of nine and Ivy, right? Is it possible to do what you're about to show in version eight with Ivy turned on in eight? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. But, yeah. And there's whole questions on the YouTube chat about the Nyan cat and what that's all about. We won't <laughs> even get into that because we don't have time, guys. Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, I also want to show you my app module where I'm not using system.js loader as well as any, any kind of loader. So what I have to do here is that I basically inject a compiler. So this is, this is an IV compiler. And what I do is I basically call, I, I don't comp compile like that. What I get is I can get the module by using the import statement. So basically I can do import, and what I can do is I can give the path, which is lazy slash lazy module. And in this promise, I would be getting the module with the module of lazy module, okay? So now that we got our module, now we need to get the module factory and that's where the compiler will help us getting the module factory. So module factory. And this should be a wait since this is a promise. 
And what I can do is I can do this.compiler.compile module async, and I can pass uh, basically the module. So as you can see, this is async. So that means that this is a promise again. So we need to do a wait over here. And now that we got our module factory, we can basically what we can do is the same as here, we got the module factory. We need to get the module ref component and then show it. So let's copy and paste the same logic there. And once I have this, I can serve this application. So let me first stop this and then go to my Angular version 9 and then serve this application up. So to recap, so we don't we didn't have to go into our angular json and add any lazy modules and we also didn't have to include our system js loader and ng module factory loader we just had to use our compiler and use the import to import the module and basically get the factory by using the compiler and load it up now when you're talking about using the compiler um, does that mean that that component no, is no longer um, AOT compiled at build time? It, it will be done. So basically, uh, whenever Angular compiler, Angular CLI sees import anywhere in the application, it will uh, do IV compilation. Okay. So we have this again. So let's see if our network open. And so let me click on NAND. So you see that it got downloaded and it it's shown now. So let's come back to slides now. So this was this took a lot of time, basically because it's it does Angular doesn't have a simpler API to do this. In order to get it simpler, we have to use some kind of a library. There are, uh, you know, one is called Lazy AF. You probably guys know it. Uh, it's it's named after Aaron Frost, and it's. Uh, it's as lazy as it can get. And then we have Angular extension elements, which was, uh, you know, uh, it, it's actually provided by Thomas. And basically it, what it does is it can lazy load any Angular component, which is like a compiled version of Angular, uh, Angular element, sorry, and which you can lazy load and show it. It, it doesn't just support Angular element, it can support any web component. And then we have ngx lazy element, which where it can only lazy load uh, Angular module, which is not Angular element, which is not compiled into a package. So it's still in the in our application and it compiles it. So basically you can use this uh, library. And then you have ngx loadable, which we are going to see today. It, it does basically uh, the same functionality as lazy AF, but also it can also lazy load Angular elements and other things. So let's look at what features NGX loadable support. It not only supports lazy loading of non-routable Angular modules, but it can also lazy load unpackaged Angular elements, which is great. And you don't have to uh, include anything in lazy modules, even in Angular version 8. So this, this is something that is in, included in NGX loadable. It uses Angular router to do this capability. And then it also has this global co configuration support, similar to how Angular router has global configuration, which really helps in a lot of different things like preloading, et cetera. And then we have the ability to pass data to the lazy component. We can preload it. 
and we have timeout support. So if if the component doesn't load in a particular time, then you can show a different message. You can show some reloading capability. You can show it can also do magic string support. So suppose you are developing in Angular 6, and you can still use ngx loadable and use magic string to uh, get the lazy loading. You can use import statement, and then it also has schematic supports, which I really love. Like it makes it so much easier, and a good documentation. Yeah, you can go to this link bit.ly slash ngx loadable and see the documentation for it. So two questions there based off of that slide. First of all, awesome work with emoji. I love all those. I I was gonna say that you you did a really good job with those emojis. And we have another question from the YouTube chat too. Wait, I, I, I had another question, Bonnie. No, I wasn't I was yeah, I was Okay. Um after you schematic support. Did, does that mean that you're supporting ng add and ng update or we are supporting ng add and ng generator generate as of now we'll have okay. ng upgrade hopefully next yeah cool are you going to show us the um ng generate when you go through your demo yeah right. i'll yeah. Let, thank you cool so let about me... me no actually it's not my question it's tom swan's question but it's a really good question uh he wanted to know if this works in uh, angular universal the, what you showed us before, and also the library. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't have any specific to do with IV uh, universal support. Like, it doesn't do any, uh, you know, DOM query and stuff. So I think it should be working fine in uh, in universal as well. Okay. So let me just get everything out here. Like, just do stash. And what I'm doing is in my version eight. Uh, uh, you know, demo, I'm just removing everything from there. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ng add ngx loadable to my application. Now, what it should be doing is it should install the npm package as well as run the ng add uh, functionality. So basically, it's already installed. So the next thing is basically what it's doing is updating the angle, uh, the app module. So, and then the next thing that we need to do is once it's added, you don't even have to go and like generate a module, generate a component. You just can use ng generate, and then you can use ngx loadable. And what it does is you you can have this module uh, generator in ngx loadable, and create a lazy module, and then say add it to the app module. So what this should be doing is it should go ahead and create a module called lazy. It should go ahead and create a component called lazy. It should bootstrap it in the module. And then uh, it should also update the app module. So let's go and see what it does. So it created the lazy component. It created the, let me, let me remove my terminal here. So it bootstrapped the component. It also went ahead and updated the app.module. So it, it has this loadable module configuration where it has the module configs as this is as similar to as uh, Angular routers configuration where you have the name and the load children. So it, it didn't go, went ahead and it didn't make any changes in Angular JSON. You can see that it's still uh, there's nothing lazy modules or anything over there. So it's all all the same. So now that this is the whole thing is done, the only thing that is left for us is where to show it, right? 
So on the click of button, what we want to do is we want to use this component called ngx loadable. And let's use that. And we can give the name as lazy. Like this is the same as the name lazy in the module configurations. And what next is basically whether we want to show it or not. So this could be dynamic. So let's say on the click of button right here, what we want to do is we want to just do show equals true. And it should basically work now. So let me also go and give the show property here. Close to false. So now let me stop my Angular 9 application and run this application again, version 8. Any questions? Uh, so this is all that, like we did like five, six different steps in our, uh, you know, in our hands-on creating this functionality, but this this is just it. Like we don't need to do anything. We just did ng add, ng generate, and then use the uh, ngx load, loadable component, and and we should be good enough here. You just make this look so easy. <laughs> it is actually easy. So the bootstrap, you're using the bootstrap uh, metadata property to be able to select that component. Uh, is there any other reason why it, does it have to be the bootstrap or is it just to help provide you a way to select the one to start with? Yeah, it's just a way to select one. I mean, you, you can actually use something else, but this comes uh, included in ng module. So I, I, like it, this is the best way probably to do it. And then do, is this going to also provide the ability to uh, lazy load individual components that are within that module, like on their own? Or is this more of like this concept of the ng module, almost like where we think about the app module, right? Where we bootstrap the initial app component that starts the entire app. Is this almost like that same concept, right? Where we're like dropping in uh, ng module? This, this is basically same as uh, your router module, where, uh, you know, a feature module where you can still be using a uh, shade module in, in your feature module. So similarly, you can use shade module in your lazy loaded module here. So think of it as a, a feature module that you use in your, you know, routes. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you click that. And then I, after you click that to show that working again. Oh yeah, lazy, lazy works. So I should have used uh the image again yeah. yeah okay so now you should see basically so yeah so by just simply doing there you go three, three simple <laughs> steps you are actually done with the whole lazy loading of a module not worrying about writing the whole custom logic for your application so that, that brings up an interesting question then, um, going back to my initial question about having multiple lazy loaded uh, pieces. If I have a set of functionality that I want to lazy load in that works out to be that image, right? So maybe that's it, that image with a banner or some sort of other text with that or some other functionality within that component. And it was three components. If I put all of those in the same module, they would be bundled together. Correct. Right, right, right. In this way, you can get asynchronous loading of multiple components in a single module. So you're right. 
one network request to get those lazy, lazy loaded components and not three separate network calls. Correct. Right. Right. Uh, yes. Just same as feature modules that you that you create in your, um, you know, routing and stuff. So let's look at other functionality that we can use here. Like what I can do is I can have ng template here and I can give it a name of loading. And what I can say is now, now just by adding this ng template, you should be saying when it loads, you see that loading came here and then went off. We can actually delay our component. So this is this is really great. Like when I use import statements, I actually like it just because the way that it makes it so much simpler. So this is a promise, right? So what I can do is I can copy this and use a delay promise which I created. And then what I can do here is let me let me actually unpack this function basically first of all and return this and use a sync and basically use delay promise. So basically what I'm saying is before you load this module, wait for five seconds and then load it just to show the network delay for that component. So what I will have here is that you see that loading over here and then it goes off for five seconds. So next what we can see is the timing out. So what I can do is uh, in my NGX loadable, I can say how much timeout this should take. So let's say this should time out in like two seconds. Like after that, it should show a different message. So let's show a different message by using a different message for timed out. And we can say timed out, please reload. I mean, we'll see how we can reload later. Please reload. And then now once I come here, and then click, you should see loading. And after two seconds, you should see him timed out, please reload. And once it's loaded, you still see it. So now, now that you see that, okay, uh, it got timed out and basically you, you had this capability of reloading it. We can also like get the reference of this module. So let's say this is as a lazy module. And then we can have a button over here where basically what we do is we have to say, okay, on the click of this button, we want to load this. So we can say lazy module dot load or preload or basically load, yeah. So let me see, oh, it doesn't give me that. Um, there's one method that I can use reload, yeah, sorry. So I can use this method uh, on my module and reload it whenever there's a timeout. So when it's loading, you can have the reload functionality and it starts loading it again and then you see it if it's loaded. So this is a great functionality where you can load it. And this is basically by using the local variable on the component level. But it, what we also provide is we also provide a service for lazy loading. So we can, what we provide is basically if we go to ngx loadable, we provide a service called ngx loadable service. 
And basically, this service has methods to load whatever modules you want to load, if if, if required. So yeah, I, I think uh, I can go back to slides now. And now that we have uh, our demo completed, let's look at since we have preloading strategies in route-based, we can also have similar preloading strategies by using NGX loadable. So one of them is by using in viewport. So you can see if something is in the viewport and then trigger the loading of the module and then showing it up. So that's one way of doing it. And then there's this another way of doing it. This is a library that I created called NGX perimeter. So basically uh, you can have a button where you can say NGX perimeter and then padding around it, like suppose 60 pixels of padding around it. And whenever a user comes near that button, you can load this module if you want. So let me just show you this example, which I tweeted. Uh, so here, if I load it, you can see the cursor is coming close to that button. And once it comes under that boundary, it loads that component and you can see that the uh, it updates the status at the top. So that is so happy. Look at that grid. I gotta say that is awesome. I love that. As of soon course, as you start with the cursor, Justin's face lit up. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The, the use case I see is just amazing for that. Uh, say, hey, you're getting close. Let's right. do some prefetching, right? Or um, loading at that point. Right. And since, cool. it, since we provide a service, you can do uh, a lot of different things. Another thing that I can show here is quickly is basically what we also provide is if we go to app module, you can also have, uh, let me come here, you can have a preload as true. So this can also like, once the application is loaded, it can preload it for you. You can use the service, you can use the component to load it, preloaded if you want. So a lot of different capabilities involved in this library and well thought for like while developing it. You're so cool, Zama. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's it. And yeah, you guys can reach out to me on uh, Twitter, Mohammed Zamakhan, or also like just do NPX Mohammed Zamakhan and look at for where you can reach me out. All right, that's that's very cool too. I do have a question for you on the um, on the component level stuff, right? So if we're thinking about the future stuff within Angular and the potential ability to have components that aren't in ng modules and load them and render them, right? Right. Uh, is this be something that we're going to get support in your library to be able to do, where we might not have an ng module for this thing, but we do want to load that component on the click of a button. That is at ngx loadable at the rate next. So that's probably coming in future. Like currently component lazy loading is not as stable as you want. Like I know that ng modules can be optional, but then it's not a lot useful because we still need to provide components that can be used inside that component, right? So if you are lazy loading just a component which doesn't have ng module, you still need directives and components that can be used inside that. and all those are under private uh, you know, uh, API right now. And hopefully by Angular version 10 or 11, it, it will get stable and then we'll have something for that then. Cool, cool. All right, do we have any other questions or anything else we wanna throw in there one last moment here for the stuff, panelists? Um, in my mind work, I think my questions are la loading lazily. <laughs> They'll eventually come in. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just trying to think of all the potential use cases of this. 
uh, even things from like a popover or anything else that you don't necessarily want to load those things, but you want to show something. But as you click that, then it'll load that um, at runtime versus um, prior to like on demand. Right, like like the model pop-ups is a very good example, right? Like we have so many models which has like five different models back to back. Like you have next on each model and you go from one model to another. And we have so many different kinds of models in our applications now, right now. Like we have to think about how we can completely lazy load this big model pop-up if you want. So like, yeah, model is big use case and then tabs, right? Like where you have 10 different tabs and then you only want, you, you don't want to include all the different JavaScript logic involved inside it at once. So yeah, some, something like that can also be helpful. This could also be helpful for the idea of like an app shell, like initially loading, you mentioned the dashboard example, but as you initially start up an application that the frame and you just have one component there, that all right, and then whatever uh, lifecycle event of that app component, you could load the content in after the fact. Right. Yeah. Another use case would be a uh, like a wizard, like a form. You know, three or four, or five steps in a form, and uh, you just only load those next steps as if someone goes there. So if there's abandonment, if somebody doesn't go all the way through, they never have to deal with that experience of, of those different steps and things like that. Yeah. Lots yeah, like here, here in US, I feel like a lot of people use high-end devices as a developer and then don't think about performance a lot. Yeah, I, and that performance culture has to be shifted a bit because I know a lot of colleagues myself like who don't like lazy loading because even the route level code splitting, they don't like it just because they have to create extra modules, extra things. But then just because a small module could be complicated, that doesn't mean that the the thing that we are getting from that is is lesser, right? The performance that we get out of it is a lot more valuable than just developer, uh, you know, experience around developing. We had a question in the chat too. This is not just for if you're doing a mobile approach or trying to solve mobile. It's for really kind of any scenario, right? Um, because we, we got performance, whether you're in a high-end machine or not, you know, you can still improve these performance and, and experience, right? Uh, a lot of that stuff is, is you know, Mike mentioned the app shell and the concept of getting something time to render and, and interactivity to a, a user right away, whether they're on mobile or desktop or whatever, um, you can benefit from that, from the lazy loading of, the, of those parts as well, so. True, yeah. Both from actual performance and perceived uh, performance as well. Correct. Very you awesome. Find that Very with awesome. The, uh, with that uh, ghost template thing that Thomas was talking about a while back, it would be like super cool. Yeah, yeah. The concept of you show a placeholder for where content is coming, and then once it's there, then it replaces that placeholder. So you have the experience. And I believe you could probably do that with this loading, right? Uh, Zama, am I correct? By utilizing that ng template and the loading All right. uh, reference, we could produce a placeholder ghosting of the content that's going to show that that nine cat, and then when it fills in, we have no jump in our UI. Yeah, and we can do sure. that with library. Very cool. 
Awesome. Yes. So, uh, and another thing is, since we have configuration, and you you guys didn't see the whole capability of doing it, like you don't have to go ahead and put uh, like ngx temp ng template loading in every single ngx loadable. Since we have global conf configuration, we can actually have those things in the configurations instead of doing it in template every single time. So, so so yeah, that that's also very helpful in 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 creating all these experiences. You know, we nice. have a good topic when it's the top of the hour and Justin doesn't even care. And he's just like, oh, yeah, and another thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know we got to stop, but like, it's just, yeah, it's so much exciting content. Yeah. We go on and on and on. All right. Well, let's do some picks and then we'll wrap it up. Can, uh, you, can you stop the screen sharing? Yeah. He did. Yeah. Got it. All right. Panelists, do we have any picks? Bonnie. I'm picking my boy Zama. That was a really good uh, presentation. And that was, I mean, it's hard to live code on Angular Air. And he was cool as a cucumber. So I'm just going to uh, say that was very good. That was a very good uh, presentation. It was, Thank I you. mean, it was cool library, but also just the whole demo and the delivery was a uh, good job. Thank Don't you. let it go to your head, Zama. <laughs> awesome. Mike, do you have anything for us today? I'm going to pick a conference because it's something that I'm uh, actually attending and very, very, very excited about is BasilCon. It is a little bit less than a month from right now, right now in California, Sunnyvale to be exact. Um, the cost of the conference is zero. Wow. And you translate that into every currency. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure, it translates well. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to go there, learn more about Basil, and start applying what I've learned into my daily dev life. Also, teach it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to have a pick today, and I'm going to pick The Mandalorian, uh, the new series on Disney Plus for Star Wars. So, pretty excited. It's out. I'm not going to give any spoilers. Uh, so, Mike, you, you don't have to cover your ears, but uh, that's my pick. All right, Zama, do you have a pick for us? Yeah, like uh, if you guys haven't watched Chrome Dev Summit, like for past two days, it was awesome. And uh, yeah, watch out for adaptive loading uh, talk from Adios Mani. It goes into code splitting by using networks and device hardware acceleration, etc. So yeah, look out for that and watch all the talks. Actually, it's, it's it was a really cool event. That's an excellent pick. There's a lot of content coming out. Uh, there's also a lot of stuff around uh, PWAs, right? Installable PWA. So I think that's pretty exciting too. Yeah, just seeing so many capabilities added to PWA was so awesome. Awesome, awesome. All right, Zahmet, thanks a ton for sharing your time, for creating this library and all the work you do there and, and uh, you know, uh, Codalizer and all that stuff. But really appreciate you coming on air and sharing your time and sharing this content with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good one, everyone. See you next time. Later.